Hi everyone, hope you're all well. إيش أخباركم؟ إن شاء الله كويسين. Hope you're all well. من زمان عنكم. اليوم عندي live مع لولو زواوي who's a good friend من صغري. And قلت خلينا نعمل live because she wants to interview me. هذه المرة هي تبغى تعمل مقابلة معايا. فقلت خلينا ليش ما نعملها؟ Hello hello. إيش أخبارك؟ الحمد لله كيفك؟ عشتيني long time. I miss you. I know it's. I have my decaf espresso. عشان اليوم I had a long day. I'm sure انتي كمان. I have tea. عشان ناي صوتي. آه والله. ما هو مرض. I think I've just overdone it. This holiday is tough. الصيف والأولاد وما في مدرسة الجهود. So it's just non-stop. يعني أنا نفس الشيء ما أحمد كان عنده day school. ودحين مصر عنده day school. فلازم كل يوم ألاقي a program أسوي له إياه. وفي الكويت أغلب الأشياء مقفلة للأطفال. Play dates and swimming, ما في شيء كثير صراحة. Okay, بس هذا. بتكلمي بالعربي ولا بالإنجليزي by the way عشان المتابعين. إيش إيش اللي يريحك؟ أنا أنا الاثنين. We make Korea as well because I have a lot of people in the UK. So let's do it in English since you have a lot of people in the UK. I think. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much. This is really. Your family, Lulu. Anti family. Not that. It's it's. I'm I'm looking at it how. How I kind of wrote the story about you yesterday on my posts. When I look at you, not now as in we're friends and family, but when I was really young and you were my friend's older sister and you were like, had this exotic life and you were traveling and you, you studied abroad and then you graduated, came back to Saudi got a job and then you were like, you know, this is not for me, you know? And I remember you first opened Newberry. Uh, yeah. أنسى حتى كنت كنا أنا ودالي أنا كنا نسيف everything so that we can the same just come and and buy the latest thing that you would put up and I'd never seen maybe someone young that that influenced me in that way that where okay you know you don't have to graduate get a job get married and have kids that the way that the society I got married late yeah yeah and and it wasn't you got married when you felt comfortable. When you found someone, and th- this is kind of my view around you, you know. So I, growing up, seeing that as an example of a woman, uh, of, of a strong, empowered woman in my life, it was very influential. And then, you know, you you got married, you had children, and you still didn't stop. And actually, your growth was even more exponential in terms of your self growth, your self love, your self business, and and all the ventures that you're in, and. And I find that both very incredible because growing up in a very patriarchal society, for you to have that on your own, and at the same time, just defied everything that was kind of told that we needed to do. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has felt this. Seeing you do. No, honestly, you telling me this is actually so. You know, I never really thought that I would have any influence on anyone. You know, sometimes also being on social media and in general, even before. I never really thought that like I had any any influence or anything, but now when I when I hear it from people and like when you when you wrote this about me yesterday, I was like, oh my god, that's so sweet. I never thought it. Usan, I even had this effect on anyone or anybody saw me that way. You know, I also look at my number of following on social media as just another number. To me, it doesn't enter my head till today. I mean, not for Shrasi, I know. I'm thinking that Instagram famous is not famous. You know, should have had that. You know what I mean? But it's not. It's It is the businesses behind it. That's the side. I don't know if a lot of people know everything about me here in terms of business. Yeah, you can start asking me whatever you want, and we can have that. 
wanted to start with, can you tell me a little bit more about you and what you do outside of the platform? Okay, uh, let's start about a, bit, a bit about my background. So, uh, as you know, I went to Jidda Al-Khasa. It was a school, in, a private school in Jidda. Then I went to Dar al-Fakir. I graduated from school in 2000. Then I went to Boston and I, I was supposed to study speech pathology, which is something that has nothing to do with me. Uh, and then I studied um, marketing and PR. And then I did my master's in Boston in management. And then after that, I uh, came back and I worked in finance, which is in banking, which had nothing to do again with what I studied in college. So I was in finance for around, actually not a lot of people know this, 11 years I was in finance. Oh. Yeah, I, was in, I worked in HSBC, then I worked in the Bank of then I worked in um, the family office, which is a wealth advisory firm in Bahrain. So I lived in Bahrain. I lived in. Um, so it's funny that I've lived in Bahrain and now Kuwait. I'm بجرب الخليج كله and in Dubai at a certain point. So while I was in finance and in banking, I realized I didn't really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I liked making money and I was doing really well, but my heart was not in it. So I always wanted to do something that was more fun for me, which was always like you know at that time the fashion side and that's what I wanted to do. So I opened the store called Newbury Boutique and I opened it when I was like 22, 23. Uh, it was a year after being in HSBC and corporate banking. So I would work in the bank and I would do the buying. And uh, that store was uh, lasted for like 11 years. And then afterwards I had, a, I worked, I left my partner and we closed that store and I opened my own, which is the Huntress. And um, the Huntress now has been operating for seven years. So I've been in retail altogether now for more than um, 17 years. Like, oh my God, when I see these numbers, I'm like, how old am I? <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget when you were doing the abayas as well. But then when I left the banking, I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing abayas for a year. Of course, I didn't have any questions. I didn't have any questions. I also did well. Just so you know when I go to and then uh, I opened a private shopping service before I opened the Huntress actually a private personal shopping service and that's what led to the Huntress because I would sell fur and private orders on certain things the Huntress after this period after then I also worked in uh, Harvey Nichols for a certain period of time and I also worked with Binda Wood and when I left banking I didn't know يعني, okay I, I like my store how would I buy for a massive uh, department store how would I understand what the buying process is I can't I cannot say my knowledge is based on a small boutique that I actually created the system for which is which is really this is why I always say when a girl graduates you can't just say I'm opening a store I'm going to buy this. No, you have to actually work under someone and learn how to operate on a bigger scale. So I worked in uh, Etir, which is a big department store in Saudi. After uh, And basically, I was their head buyer for kids, women's, men's, and homeware for two years and a half. And then after a while, like after all this time at work, I was like, you know, I think it's time for me to just like, you know, be on my own and work for myself. So that's when I actually got became like 100% working for the Huntress, which is my store. I always never thought of it as, um, I wanted to grow with, uh, like I wanted to have a small mini satellite Barney's concept. And a lot of my, um, 
and actually Noor Zahid, who's, who's on the live, worked at Etir as well. Um, and after that, I worked in Harvey Nichols for such a short period of time. But then I realized as well something I'm going to say, and I'm going to be very honest about. I am very hard to be managed. <laughs> I am someone that is, I'm a strong personality. And I think I, I, it's hard for me to be working under someone, unless it's someone that's really on the same wavelength and there's a huge gap. But I always felt that I wanted to work for myself. So after this job, and Harvey Nichols specifically, I said that I just want to work for myself. And alhamdulillah, I got the Huntress running and operating. And it's been honestly, even just sustaining in this bad environment and this bad economy with COVID and all. Alhamdulillah, I'm very happy to say that we've done a good job. I've done a good job. But then again, also um, understanding the market that you're in really um, changes uh, how you buy and how you... Um, you know, I always wanted this cool boutique that was like, I, I actually wanted to open the Huntress or Newbury at the time because I really wanted uh, to have that cute boutique that has this really cute, elect cool, electric mix of brands, contemporary brands. But I realized that in Saudi, what sells in Europe and the States does not work. The idea of a Colette or these concept stores that we really like does not really work for Sardia. What sells, for example, um, uh, for example, shoes uh, only selling specialty shoe stores jewelry sells better in jewelry stores this these are things we will notice um in the future I yeah and you were gonna you, you notice in saudi you know what i mean mm -hmm. if, uh, if we have to understand the market so alhamdulillah alhamdulillah uh, that's how the hunters started then afterwards i got married and everybody started saying that i married someone that it was like 10 years younger and i was like the Ajuza that married this Kuwaiti billionaire. And I was like, you know what? Let me use my platform as a way to market. I already had a public account. And I never even thought I'll make money out of it. I just started using it as a way and the platform to talk about business, about people, about um, stories of like women that are in the field, my business. And that's how it grew slowly, slowly to where it is now. That's amazing. I actually didn't know a lot of that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. I really didn't. So it's, it's around my perception of you. It's still that that I said yesterday, but you went a lot more in detail. And and now I wanted to um, kind of talk about that shift, that shift from all of that and then into working as what I like to call a mompreneur. So a mother who is also an entrepreneur and and what you run your own businesses while, you know, having having your son. When when you first had, had Ahmed, how did you manage those early months to, Kind, did you take time off? Did you feel like you prepared beforehand? Actually, to be honest, and I, I, I had a, I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of help. I, first of all, gave birth in Saudi. So I live in a house with my, I'm sure you know, with my aunts and my grandmother. I had the nurse to help me. So I, I'm someone that works 24-7. So I, don't really, I cannot really tell you that I took a break. But at the time, it, I worked for myself. So it was very, um, I'm getting weird comments. <laughs> um at the time, I just had, it was, I worked for myself, so it was easy to manage time. But yeah. in terms of help, I had a lot of help. But I always worked, even when I was on, because I'm someone that gets bored when I don't um, do something that has to do with uh, work. So to me, it's like kind of a joy, because I do what I love. I'm working, I'm doing what I, I love. So I actually was working, but I had a lot of help in terms of nannies, I'm not going to lie, my, my, my aunts, my grandmother. Fa the first delivery really... I lived with them for three months. 
if you ask me now how it went through, I don't even remember. Sarah, I don't even remember. <laughs> it's like I had someone with me all the time. There was someone doing something every minute of the day. So it was a lot of help. And I really think this is what's nice about our culture. Yeah. We have this support system that we take for granted sometimes, but it's actually really, really helpful. And they say it takes a village. To be honest, for me being here so isolated, so awake, can feel very lonely. And just asking, so it became the point where asking for help is, can be hard. And I find it no. very when actually mothers ask for help. I, want, I, I, did, I left the house without nappies, uh, pampers, and, and I felt really embarrassed to ask another mother for a pampers for my daughter, thinking, why am I a bad mom that, that forgot her pampers? And the mother's like, don't worry, I do it all the time. But it's, it's sometimes to live abroad, honestly, especially in Europe, for people like us in the Arab world that are so used to having help and service, it's not easy to actually. So I, and I applaud you, honestly. Yeah. But then help in, in the UK is very expensive. Yani. It's not normal. I know people that are moving back, and you know who I'm talking about because of one of, these, one of the reasons is finding help and it's how it's that's so not affordable it's just not easy have family as well as as help you know what i mean when you have your aunts your mother around and, and this is what the village is you know they're all surrounding your child and and that's how it's and you're not left alone which goes to my second question now i know it was quite you said it was very blurry in the first few months but did you remember maybe experiencing postnatal anxiety or postnatal depression or maybe the baby blues or the emotions that came up or were you too overwhelmed in a sense? No, actually, I was so happy about the delivery. Like, I don't know, like, I, I, I didn't have any of that. I didn't go through postpartum depression. I know a lot of women go through it and they say it's very hard. But honestly, the first time around, alhamdulillah, I was on Sky 7, uh, the Sky 11, they say. I was really, really happy and I was in a very good place. I was a bit confused because like, you know, I knew that I was going to go back to Kuwait and my husband's from Kuwait and I'm from Saudi and I'm going to be far from my family. So it really hit me like, you know, oh no, well, it's Kuwaiti, you're going to live away. So these things hit me, but no, I was actually in a very, uh, it was a beautiful phase in my life. The first um, six months of having Ahmed was just like so, it was surreal, you know what I mean? It was beautiful. And I honestly had a lot of help and I paid for a lot of help. I'm not going to lie because I was uh, coming back here alone. Yeah. So I got a nurse to stay with me for, I was, she was supposed to stay with me for three months. She stayed with me for two years and a half. <laughs> so, so I really, really, I'm not going to say I had it good. And I was, um, I, I don't, I'm not one of those, you know, a lot of people hide that they have help on social media. But not the help that I, I think that it's beautiful to share. I, it's amazing that there's a lot of women sharing, you know, their, their hard experiences with their emotions and with the hormones and with postnatal anxiety and depression, et cetera. But I really believe sharing the, how beautiful the newborn face can be is equally as important to remove all the fear. When I had my second, uh, my daughter, it was so beautiful. I didn't think, I, I kept thinking this is gonna be so hard. It's gonna be just like my first. But when I had her, it was amazing. I didn't they have- see the second is easier than the first. I think so. I, I, I think so. That's why. But she's also, I, I just had a beautiful experience. And it was like, oh, if I had this the first time, I probably have had five ch children. But after having myself, <laughs> two is it? You're done with two? Yeah. And I think two is more than enough nowadays. It's not easy. Yeah, no, it isn't. And in this day and age, you don't, I mean, the world is also overpopulated, but that's another thing. Yeah, but I'll tell you something that really bothered me at that time. I really had uh, a lot of body image issues, and I still do. I mean, to be honest, I am pregnant now, and, and it does um, the, the body image after delivery really, really, really bothered me. Like I was really not. 
comfortable with how I looked, how bloated I was, how, yeah, and I just couldn't handle how I looked for the longest time. I think it took me almost a year and a half to, to just lose the weight and, and just accept that my body changed. Honestly, I, it was something that I couldn't handle. And um, not just that, I've always been someone that loves to eat and just my metabolism changing, my body changing. That really bothered me. Like it, it never ended. And I still, I, I, I think it still hasn't ended yet. I'm, I'm just managing it better. But um, accepting body image at this, after this change really, really was hit me hard, let's say. It's, it's definitely some, I'm, I remember the first, when I gave birth, I just thought that my belly would go down. I didn't realize that that you give birth and then it's still there, just a bit more deflated. Yeah, and with me, it's not the belly, it's the weight. It's just the weight loss issue for me because I never had an issue. Like I always was, I always, yeah. I wasn't a skinny girl, but I never had an um, issue with my metabolism. I ate very, everything I wanted and I would be reasonable. But yeah. after a certain age, after you hit your 30s, let's be honest, you don't lose the way you used to lose before. And, and I never changed my way of eating. So I haven't changed my lifestyle, let's say. Yeah. I was still eating the way I was eating in my like early 20s. And you can't eat this way in your 30s if you want to keep a, and maintain a good physique. Even if you work out every day like I do, I work out all the time. It's just really, really hard to, to accept the changes that happen. And I know a lot of women talk about it, love your body, love your head. It's easier said than done. And I always say that. A lot of women talk about, um, you know, it's so normal, it's happened, it takes nine months. It's so easier said. But it, when it comes to the reality of it, it actually does really bother you <laughs> and it's not not everybody loses it this fast or can handle them this change you know sometimes you feel like you can't talk about it because because there there is such a beautiful body positivity movement but it also if you say that you want to lose weight or you want to feel better or get fitter or get stronger there's a little bit of shame around that too yeah. like with all the respect don't get me wrong i'm one of those people that i, I don't believe that Self-love is when a woman is 100 kilos. That's not self-love. That's actually unhealthy. It's unhealthy to have diabetes and have blood pressure. Excessive weight gain also is unhealthy. It's called, that's why it's called obesity for a reason. So I'm not talking about people that are above their weight by a but also part of having um, the weight issue is not, for me, okay, it was just uh, extra weight from the baby, but I'm just saying about this whole Movement, movement about self-love, it also has to be a, re a realistic and also uh, goal-oriented. You can't just say a woman above a very high weight, is it's normal. It's not normal because that's unhealthy. You know what I mean? We can't just, uh, you can't just tell women it's okay to be also very above your weight. It's not, it's very unhealthy. It's a very, very intricate subject. And I think that that's why I was, I was saying like, there is also a lot of shame around wanting to lose weight now in this day and age. And, and I believe... You know, I believe as much so there's that idea of self-love. It's self-love is just loving yourself no matter what and working to be the best version of yourself. So if you're feeling that, you know, you're underweight or overweight, you can still love yourself and exercise and eat healthy and, you know, lose weight that, in that sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. I don't know why people sometimes have an issue with that. I think it's just uh, odd yet. No, because uh, I get a lot of clients, they're like, oh, I want to lose weight. But, but losing weight doesn't mean that you don't love yourself, you know, gaining weight. Yeah, it's, you, it's, it's how you feel comfortable. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, and for me, I always say, if everybody tells you, you look great, as long as you feel you look great, that's what's important. 
it's not it doesn't matter if everybody tells you, you look great as long as you you know what suits you best yeah. you know what's the best uh, weight you should be at or the best you know, at the end of the day you know what you want you know what i mean not any you know yeah. your preference let's say yeah it's your, it's your it's what you wear every day you wear your body you know exactly <laughs> it's something that you want to love and be comfortable in however way that suits you best yeah and I mean, with that, and I think this past year, slowing everything down has allowed for a lot more focus on that. But as you're so used to being, yeah. <laughs> no, I stopped weighing myself after having kids. I weigh myself every day and it kills me <laughs> because with COVID, all I do is I just want to eat the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, like my joy now, I'm not traveling in the summer. I'm just staying here. It's 54 degrees outside. My day is like, what's my lunch today? What's my dinner today? You know what I mean? Hasn't helped. With that slowing down, do you feel that in terms of emotionally, mentally over the past year and not traveling as much, how did it, how has it affected the way you work or affected yourself? Did you feel down because of everything that was happening? Shufi, and my personality is, I'm not the type, the only thing that I miss is really traveling because it's something that was a really big part um, of my life. My joy, if you ask anyone, if you even ask my husband, if anybody tells me, what do you want me to get you as a gift? For me, it's like, take me somewhere new, take me somewhere I haven't seen. To me, it's just going to new places. And when I say new places, I don't mean like the, the commercial places you see that everybody goes to. Take me to Romania. Take me to, to, um, to countries that I, that I want to explore, like Russia, like places that I have on my bucket list, you know. So this is something I really miss during COVID, exploring cultures and eating new foods and, and just the, the, the thrill of waking up in a new place. This, this I really miss. But a positive thing about COVID is that I think when you slow down, you start realizing... Uh, the issues you have in your business. Like, for example, I never had a website. And every time I wanted to open a website, there was a million issues. I managed to open my website and find every mistake. So this past year, all we've been doing is just trying to fix how my website will operate better. How we will, change, will we change the brands on the website? How will we transition? How? So the website now launched. I created a team. And it's, it's starting... Slowly but surely, it's uh, we started. Uh, we opened an activewear section for the Huntress, which was never there. Uh, I discovered like that. I I really enjoy. I I want to grow it to not just Saudi, more of a Gulf uh, concept. So we just tackled every point that was missing in terms of staff, in terms of operation costs, in terms of distribution. Like I never had uh, distribution channels in Jeddah. I never thought it was necessary. I increased that. I opened a location in Riyadh. I didn't do that before. It made me think more. Yeah. It made me think uh, deeper. And I came up with better ideas that have created a better result in numbers. Uh, let's hope, inshallah, it continues. Another thing, um, during COVID, I realized that I really love interviews. I just really love meeting people. And part of my whole joy on social media, actually, I think it's my number one joy on social media, is to share. It's to share stories because I always believe that I don't know, like, you know, when you see these bloggers sometimes with like a million or two million followers, I, I can't, I don't understand how it could, you can be interesting every single day posting a story. Because my life is, at the end of the day, is a basic monotone life. I'm a mother, I'm a wife. I don't do, I don't have exciting stories every day. I don't have drama in my life to be a trend. 
So I, I really, really I realized with this platform I have, and I've noticed that the quality of following I have enjoys what I enjoy. So when I get doctors from all over the world to talk about certain topics or self-help or functional medicine, or now an interview with you, or talking about diets and people that are into health and herbalists from Canada that I've all met, I've met them all, by the way, on Instagram. I didn't know any of them. And yeah. all these people I've met on social media. Like, I don't know any of them. Like, personally, like, we've never met, but we have a nice friendship. Like, when I met Yalda uh, from Eat, Burn, Steep, how she does the anti-inflammation diet and how she went through a hard time herself. It's so beautiful. You know, everybody talks about the negatives of social media, but I think it has a lot of positives if you use it right. So, um, yeah. Account, this account, when I opened it, I didn't open it as an account. I opened it a few years ago just under like a random name and I would only follow accounts that would benefit me. So accounts that would make me feel good, accounts I could learn from, accounts I could get recipes for my son. And, and then I felt there was something missing and that's why I started. Yeah, I, I I'm glad you did. I mean, honestly, it's so needed. Dalia gave me the name Powerful Parent. Yeah, <laughs> that is like, amazing. She never gave me any name, Sarafa. <laughs> <laughs> one name for a business I want to open uh, now, but let's see if it's over. I did my first post. I wouldn't have done it without her. No. <laughs> but I'll tell you something, and it should be this uh, period of time has given me a lot of ideas to open new things that I was afraid of opening. And I think I also was very, um, between social the social media work and my store, I felt I kind of like went, I stopped here. So I feel this year during COVID, I worked so hard. I saved some money and I started thinking of now what do I want to do? What's the next step? And now I'm thinking of doing two, three new thing, uh, two, two or three new ventures that are new. And um, yeah, I mean, inshallah, they go through and everything goes well. Ya Rab, Ya Rab, I hope it goes through. But it, it has opened my mind to do new things. For this calmness is something I, I think I really needed. Uh, not with, yeah. with the traveling, of course, but there's no traveling. Um, this calmness is what I needed to actually expand my horizons and expand to something new. I think also when you reach, I'm in my mid thirties now. I think when you reach your mid thirties, you become more confident. And when I say confident, it's something I don't, I don't think I've had all my life. I think we all lack confidence and self-love and, uh, and uh, when you're younger. So you are not very confident to take big steps in your life. I feel I'm at a point in my life right now where I just want to venture into so many things and I have so much confidence that even if I lose and I don't make money and I have losses, I always say, at least I tried. At least I, I did something. At least I... So this is what I always say. Even when I, when, I, when I was pregnant with my son, I said that I will work harder. I will do better. Because I want him to look at his mom and be like, mom, we're going to go to work. And now he, when I'm in, like in a meeting, he's like, mama's at work. Mama's working. Mama's going to come back with gifts. And I like, I want him to see. They always say your kids will become the, the, a, a version of what you are. So when he sees us working out, he works out. When he sees that I'm on the phone, he pretends he's on the phone. Um, so you have to be a, the best version of a, um, you want to be as a mom for him to become something successful. He has to see it in front of him. You cannot do anything and expect him to be a workaholic. You can't eat so bad and expect him to eat so clean. You know what I mean? Um, you have to be like the example, as they say. Yeah, there's, there's a big part of that. When, in terms of how, when Ahmed, for example, has a big feeling or you feel, how do you feel that your time with him is spent? In terms, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, I had, I had the question written down. Be, um, so 
all the changes happening. And I know that you spent a lot of time uh, of it in Jeddah. And I'm sure that it was um, a big for Ahmed there more than Kuwait. Did you feel like when you were with him, how, did you feel any guilt? Did any, any feelings come up for you? Like mom guilt, do you get that often? And how you do mean you- mean when, when I was stuck in Jeddah? Yeah. No, I mean, in general, Sorry, just uh, with the mom, mom guilt that comes up. I think it's a topic that comes up for a lot of mothers that they feel this guilt in terms of when they're, especially I remember when I started working, when I went back to the company, I had to leave Jude. I felt extreme guilt and I had my own ways of coping with that. So how do you feel like, did you feel any of that? Did you, how did you cope with it? Or you didn't feel it at all? There's no wrong answer. No, no, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I think I have, uh, I work from home most of the time because I'm in Kuwait and my, my business is in Saudi. So I work a lot from home. So mm. I'm always around, but it doesn't matter if you're always around, if you're not 100% with your son. So, because like I always say at the end of the day, it's not about how much time you spend. It's about the quality time you spend. So there are days where I have such busy days where I'm not there at all. And I'm, I'm in the house with him and he's right next door in the room next door, but I'm not there because like, t- like today was one of those days. I had so much work that he was in the room with me all day, but I wasn't really present because I was on a phone or I was on a business meeting or I was on a call or I was on a Zoom. So I think the best, I think the guilt is always there. My guilt mostly is stronger when I travel and leave him, which is not much lately, but uh, that, that was mainly my guilt the first year and a half before COVID. That was the time that, um, that was when I had the most guilt because I was not there. But now I try to compensate. For example, the day I wasn't um, there, to, like all day today I was busy, like tomorrow I'm going to take him to the mall and we're going to go to Pottery Barn and choose a bed for him and we're going to do something fun together. I compensate. And I also try because, you know, I live in Kuwait now. I'm in Kuwait right now to actually have like play dates for him. So I've organized a swimming schedule for him three times a week. Then I've done now for three play dates a week that are always set. So five days a week he's busy. One day a week, he goes to the beach. So I just try to make make him entertained, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't have that crazy mom guilt. I'm not going to lie to you because, when, because lately I've been here so much. I've been here a lot. But when I travel is when I have uh, guilt. When I call on FaceTime, it just breaks my heart. Like I feel, that's when I feel like, you know, I can never live the way I was when I was single. and just like get on a plane here and there. And that's when I feel that I have, I have weight that I've left at home. You know what I mean? When I was single, I'll jump. You tell me to come here. I'll be like, sure, I'll come. The hate, I feel like I have that um, that yeah. thing that I have at home that I really want to come home to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. I think I think it's amazing that you mentioned the quality of time over quantity of time as well. You yeah, know, the- I'm I always say this. There are a lot of mothers that say, "I'm with my son all day. I don't. I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm this. I'm that." That doesn't mean that your son, you, your son will not get much more love by you just sitting on a couch and being in the house. It doesn't make a difference. It's, as you said, it's the time spent that matters more. Yeah, and when, to be present is also taking care of yourself. Yeah. You need to also do something for yourself. And I, I don't like command. I, I really don't like, I'm not going to say I don't like, I, I don't prefer. I don't yeah. prefer to be the mother that doesn't do something for myself because I feel like you need to, to, to be whole. Yeah. You need to, um, uh, yeah. لحظة. أنا أعرف إنه أغلب أغلب 
انها ما لها دخل باعتزاز باللغه العربيه Just, I have to clear that out because you know how people are. Um, <laughs> so basically, what was I saying about the... Um, Taking care of yourself. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I believe that every mother should be... not Okay, at least I, I'm not going to dictate what I want on others. It's just what I prefer. I like to do something for myself. I like to build something. For I, I believe in a woman having financial independence no matter what. If I have a daughter or if I have a son or if I have... If I have any female that is in my life right now, the advice I give any woman is to be financially independent, to have your own goals, to have your own business, to do something for yourself. Because at the end of the day, men come and go. Kids grow up. You need to do something that will keep you fulfilled at heart. And uh, you might marry well, and your father might be someone so important, but in one day, all this can be gone. So your degree is so important. Your What you do for yourself on day to day is what day to day is really important. Yeah, I, I am raised that way. My aunts have been working at a time, uh, have graduated college since the 60s, and uh, they've been working all their lives at a time when no, not really a lot of Arab women worked, and some yeah. of them never got married. So I feel also your your goal in life should not always just be a husband and kids and that's it. It could be many things. It could be you being a working woman. It could be many things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm so against women not doing something from themselves. I really hate it. Beginning of our talk, and this is one of the things that I learned from you, because growing up, especially, um, it, my my mother was never like that. I had a working mother. I had, oh, was an Allahyarhamha. She was a she was a person you can never forget. Khalifa Allahyarhamha. But the idea is that the actual society has this build up at school. You know, they teach you. We had like. A uh, home, a home class to teach you how to sew and to cook, and you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. about how to be a wife rather than how to sew, which is a, which is a craft in itself. So it was very different. But, um, but yeah, to go back to that was why, why I I always found you as an example of that, and and why even... I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I never came from a family that uh, like I'll give you an example. I'm going to be very honest. I didn't come from a family that told me you're going to go. After school, you're gonna go to study in the states. My dad yeah. was like, "Gonna study in um, Dar al Hikmah," and I was like, "Hell no, I'm not going to Dar al Hikmah. I'm going abroad because." And why did I want to go abroad? Because all my friends were going abroad, not because I wanted to go to uh, Ivy League. Because I was not raised thinking that I should go to an Ivy League school. My mom didn't go to college, but my mom wanted me to go abroad because Barra Ahsan. You know what I mean? And I never really knew why I wanted to go abroad. I never even knew what I wanted to study. And then my dad told me you should study speech pathology. And I was like, okay, let's do speech pathology. This is a very important thing in Saudi Arabia. And I personally don't have the ability to study with children. So I spent a year speech pathology early childhood education. Can you imagine? And I have a double minor. Early childhood education and um, uh, special ed. Imagine, I have a double minor in those fields. which I have never done anything with because obviously I went into the wrong, wrong field. When I started from the university, I was 17 years old and from fresh out of Saudi. And when I say fresh out of Saudi in 2000, it's meant that I was like 14 in my brain. You know, at that time, 17 was 14, you know, and from an all girls college school, to an all-girls college in Boston. And the first time I go to the States in my life, that was actually when I went to college. Uh -huh. So I was so naive, so young. 
And then when I graduated, of course, also when I graduated, some of my friends got married very early. Uh, to me, I worked thinking this is how we should do it. And this is, this is, I just fell into things automatically. But then I realized that I'm someone that likes to work, likes to do things for myself. But then again, the pressure of marriage was there from 18. <laughs> 18. I think even when you went to college, the guy you meet, the first guy you meet is the first guy you should marry. I think this is how we are raised and uh, born. Very much. I was, when I was 17. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And when I was 21, I said, no, this is not exactly. right. No. Yeah. But put in mind as well, like when I graduated from college, I was only 22. And I finished my master's at 22. I was so young. And a lot of girls at that time were getting married. And it was like, oh, inshallah, you're next, you're next, you're next. And, and when I would, like when I wouldn't get married the next year, inshallah, try harder and like there were people we all love and know and i know they mean well yeah but it, it's not okay to say that and it, there's nothing wrong with you being single um and there's nothing wrong with not getting married or not finding the right person for a period of time i got married at 32 and i think the day i got married my mom was really like and then my mom was like over the moon yeah. and then i got married and i found someone but also settling for the wrong person because I feel I I always felt that I'm and I'm outgoing and I'm bubbly and I'm and I have a lot to say. Uh, yeah. Hey Mo, um, and I I didn't really feel I've met someone that can just love me or accept me as I am. So I, it, that took me a while to find. <laughs> so when I met that person, and I I like men. It's very hard for men to accept a strong woman or a woman that has, that speaks her mind or that's liberal, especially in our part of the world. I'm sure you know that. And it was nice. I married a Kuwaiti who has a very strong sisters, a very strong mother that's also hardworking. So, he, so what I, whenever I talk about anything I'm doing, stuff, he actually pushes me. He's very proud of me. Versus when I, before, I didn't see these things in my life. Uh, it's nice to see, you know, I have, as I guru Sanad, I have a, someone that really supports it. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe that as well. And, you know, if anyone's listening, just... I remember when I was 21, I decided I never wanted to get married, ever. But then as I grew older, I said, if I ever do find someone, I want, it, I want it to be someone that I can connect with, communicate with, and that I can grow with, you know, a partner. That, yeah, you need yeah. a friendship. When you, when you marry someone after like 10 years, five, seven years, it becomes more of a friendship. It's like a, he's like, your, he's like a glorified roommate. <laughs> and, 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 and also there's a lot of um, love there as well. But if you don't have any compatibility and in terms of the basic things in life that are the things that really matter the most, beliefs, uh, the cultural background, like the things I find very small, he finds very small. The things I find very shallow or stupid, he finds. This is so important because when you marry someone that has a very different mindset or he thinks so differently, it won't last because you're always going to have, you know, just like argue, you know. I think one of the one of the most important things that you are talking about, and I just want to add on to that, is this idea of of the sacrifice of mothers, which I is one of the things that I'm studying. One of the things that I try and encourage so so much is that we should not as as mothers. It's like, oh, you're a great mother if you sacrifice. You're a super mom if you sacrifice. And I don't believe in that. And I think that I don't like the word sacrifice. I don't like I don't like the word sacrifice. I hate it. I, 
الام لازم تضحي تضحي ليش تضحي ليش ما يكون عندك تكوني ام وليش ليش لازم يكون في شيء اسمه كلمه تضحيه يعني اي يعني اي ريلي دونت لايك ذات وورد يو كان بي ا وركينج مام يو كان بي and you can be there for your kids and you can why can't you have it all why does it have to be this or that exactly and this is exactly what i do this is exactly why i started this business. and you don't have to be the best mom you don't have to be perfect we learn from our mistakes and i don't think as kids i'm sure our parents made so many mistakes raising us at a time where there were many things that were not addressed about feelings about emotions about words and i think growing up our parents made a lot of mistakes raising us because a lot of the things regarding how to treat your kid and these things that you read now and and you see on the internet and how we yeah. it's so easy enough to just google how to do something and learn how to approach your children our parents didn't have that and yeah. we turned out not bad so imagine us with some effort so even if you make some mistakes even if you're not the perfect mom it's okay it's part of life we learn we live don't have to be harsh i don't like to be the harsh mom you know the dis- yeah. extra disciplinary and the extra i feel it just gets your kid to be weird <laughs> it's good to be chill you need to chill to let relax. go let go yeah. let him fall let him have make mistakes let him learn and i don't like to 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 dictate so much i you know i feel like it's like that's why i put my son in a in a program called reggio okay which is a montessori it's an italian form yeah. of montessori and it's all about using his hands i've noticed my son loves tools So yeah. I bought him a toolbox. He loved he would count doors through but building a house. He's he's not a kid that can sit on a chair. Yeah. So I'm trying to enhance these abilities that he has by making him have fun at school. That now he wants to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> Every morning he's like I want to go to school. So I think we were not raised that way. Uh, the schools we had were certain way set certain yeah. ways. So I I really think we need to look at what our kids are strong at. Uh, back in the day also our parents um when they when you wanted to go study they'd be like lawyer banker um ashkaman architect that's what they wanted architect. there were like six 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 or seven doctor six or seven main jobs that that people or their their parents wanted them to do so now i feel like you know maybe my son wants is very artistic and musical and i never thought i would say that like yeah. six years ago uh but like you know what he pursues it the right way and he wants to be a dj why not enhance the abilities he has and don't just shut them down just make sure he gets a degree and does something with it and actually takes the, the thing seriously we need to be a bit more relaxed and accept in this time and age that the the what they call them what the, the the basic jobs that were in back in the day are not anymore are not in anymore yeah yes and i i know there's there's also this whole uh, discipline now where it's the children a lot of people my children i gave birth to this child but he is not mine he's a human being in and of himself and he has the kind of it's my job to guide him to hold his hand and to help him when he falls and to to show him different ways and that's all i can do but to but to impose myself as you were saying as how it was in the back to impose myself on him is is uh maybe it's i i'm not it's not, i'm not sure how to continue the sentence but that he is in himself his own human being and it's just my my place to hold his hand and guide him through exactly. just guide yeah just guide yeah and create the basics uh, that make him comfortable to actually just yeah like yeah. as you said he wants to study music he goes and he studies music you know he wants to study art he can be an artist he wants to be an architect an engineer it's what he wants to do you know true yeah 
I remember my mom used to always say, I want to raise a free spirit. I want yes. To <laughs> and I rebelled against that because I wanted to rebel against my mom. Warm. <laughs> Allah yirhamha, your mom was akthar shakhsiya, kan indaha, she's a free spirit, kan indaha, tell me the, the, the French word joie de vivre, yeah, the joy well, of living. Yeah. And I was saying that about Um Lulu Lebanese, her mom is Lebanese. And I was saying she has that beautiful soul that he or she, she carries a room. And yeah. this is what I was saying yesterday about Kithi Masfi Lebanon. I was saying you know, no matter what happens in Lebanon, like I work with a lot of Lebanese on a day-to-day -day basis with my, for social media. And no matter what happens, they text, they call, they check, they follow up on work. When they have no electricity, when they don't have fuel to go to work, and they are still very positive, and this to me is so uh, applaudable. Goes on. And yeah. And obviously, when I posted about Lebanon, everybody started telling me why don't I post about other countries and all that drama, which is annoying. Yeah. Um, but you cannot compare um, pain from any other not compare compare pain of this country and this country it's just being human that every day there's a story that hurts yeah, yeah. and, and today support, can support and talk about what you can talk and you want to talk about at the end of the day exactly yeah for yeah. you and what you what you resonate with and what you connect with and i wanted to actually it's really funny i wanted to ask you the top three things that you would you would advise ambitious mothers but i want to ask you the top three things that you would advise your your 17-year-old self? Mm. Okay, one is definitely patience because I really lack patience, definitely. Um, loving myself more. I think uh, love, loving yourself is so important. When you're 17, you're so confused. You don't know who you are. Like, it, it, and this really, I think loving yourself is so important. Patience and drive. You need to have drive. For any woman with, with no, I, I don't like passive women. I like women with drive. I like women that are hot-blooded, that want to do something. I, I, I notice I don't have one friend that's passive. Yeah. <laughs> female, female friend that's passive. Yeah. I notice I cannot stand passive women that are so like, blah, I can't. I like women that have um, drive and have goals and have a personality. And in terms of uh, when I talked about, when you said about your 17-year-old self, I think most of us at 17 lacked confidence, and this is one of the main and biggest reasons we fall into wrong relationships, wrong, wrong decisions, and many things because we are not sure about ourselves. We're not loving. We don't love ourselves enough, and this is why many mistakes happen in these in these years from 17 to 25. And yeah. this is why mistakes happen. But when you love yourself, you won't allow anyone or anything in life to actually. Uh, put you down. So really loving yourself is so important. And as I said, again, easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I do. So if anyone's listening to this, I'm a confidence coach specifically for mothers, because I believe that that's something that, you know, mothers want Amazing. to find their own self love and find this. I mean, a lot of mothers just send me messages. Sometimes I'm, I don't know why I'm not happy. I can't find joy, you know, in motherhood. And it's, it just breaks my heart because they're like, this is supposed to be the most beautiful time for me. Why am I not happy? Why? And a lot of it has to do with confidence. We, we think it's confidence is something you have or you don't have. Confidence is something you can practice. It, it's your thoughts and it's the way that you think about yourself and the way that you feel about yourself. And these are all things that you can manage yourself. And 
I just find that amazing, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, 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 it's so important. And I'm glad you're actually doing this because, you know, it's so hard to find someone also that does what you're doing that's comfortable, that's murih, that's somebody you want to come back to, that you can talk to, that has an open mind. Because everybody in our part of the world also worried, what is she going to think of me? What is, can I be open? Can I say what is in my heart? Can I, you know what I mean? God, you can say whatever I have you want. So it's okay. so nice to have someone like you, Lulu. It's like you're doing something It's so important. Wallah, congrats on powerful parenting. <laughs> I love you. Wallah, I do miss Wallah, you. I love 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 But thank you so much. Thank, and thank you, you, my love. Interview. I really appreciate it. And I yeah. really enjoyed this, you know. Me too. Talk. We should do it again. Separate to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Bye.